for the week of November 1st, 2021. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are reviewing the second episode of The Bad Batch Cut and Run, in which the Bad Batch of clones seek out the assistance from another deserter, Cut, who is also trying to stay hidden from the Galactic Empire. In their attempt to leave the planet, they find that chain codes and galactic credits are now the required practice, making things difficult for the fugitives of the new empire. Dave, what did you think of this episode? This is another interesting episode for the formation of the Empire, because uh, as we touched on just in the last episode, we've never seen anything uh, about the, how the Empire's transitioned in through um, what it was as the, as the Republic to what we saw in A New Hope. So the establishment of the chain codes as identification for the citizen, the, how the uh, Empire switched from Republic credits to Imperial credits and, and and so much more, like plus the story about cutting his family and whatnot. There's just a lot to dig into this episode. It is such a great one because we have immediately back, you know, in 2008 when the Clone Wars was created, and we had Dave Filoni being introduced as you know this uh, this cowboy of the Star Wars lore, and he creates you know these very elaborate characters, and one of them, of course, that we encountered throughout our journey in the Clone Wars was Cut. And that Cut is someone who um, is somewhat resistant to the Republic and to the Orders to the point where he views himself as basically an equal human and that the clones shouldn't just be these, you know, these meaningless droids, so to speak, and follow the Orders. And he, you know, falls in love and starts his own family. And now we get to see you know, what that looks like because he was someone who was always in hiding because he was disobeying orders. And now there's a whole nother layer added to that because he is um, fleeing from the new empire. Not only that, he's fleeing from the new empire, but still has his inhibitor chip, unlike Rex and some of the other clones that had him removed. Yeah. So Order 66 could have affected him, but it doesn't seem to have. And a lot of that, I think, comes from from how he looks at himself as uh, as a human. He, he might have heard the order. He may he knows about the order because Rex had passed through before the batch did, mm-hmm. and he still went, "Okay, great. I'm just going to do this." So he's already rebelling anyway. So why follow the order? I don't have to. Right, exactly. And maybe it's something to where within proximity, he hasn't been within proximity to a Jedi. So maybe it's like, oh, yeah, there's something going on there. I guess I don't like Jedi anymore. But uh, apart from that, like he is already suspicious. He was suspicious from the very get go. Um, He always felt like, you know, this kind of sense of equality within the galaxy to the point where, of course, he's not um, starting a family with another humanoid. It's kind of, you know, an alien species that, uh, you know, really represents who Cut is in general. Like, yeah, we're all equal out here in this galaxy. And um, now we're all finding our way through this and trying to interpret what the heck is going on in the galaxy. Mm hmm. So that, that pretty much leads to uh, to the Batch showing up on uh, 
on Cuts uh, Cuts Farm because he's the only person other than uh, and they don't even really know that Rex has uh, disobeyed Order sixty six yet until uh, they get to talking to Cut and his wife. So he's the only person they can actually turn to in in their situation. And plus, it gives them a chance to get off the ship and you know, gives Omega some ability to, you know, develop her character a little bit more because she's definitely different from the others. Yeah, and we have that she's, you know, obviously a child. And um, even though she's a clone, she has these childlike desires. And so whenever she's playing with Cut's family, like they're, you know, playing kind of a version of, you know, kickball, whatever. Um, and it's the first time that we get the sense that she has ever played, you know, any game really. And so she's kind of having fun. She's learning that there are things outside the galaxy other than, you know, f- you know, f- floating rigs on ocean planets. And she's becoming very fascinated with, you know, the greens, the dirt, the plants, and the animals, which kind of leads to uh, her getting into some trouble here. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure what those animals are called. They're very tiger and, you know, predator-like, um, cat-like. Yep. But, and we saw uh, them in the uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I'm still not sure what they're called even then. Um. But uh, yeah, like she kick, the, the kickball gets away from her and she doesn't know any better, doesn't realize that these fences around the perimeter are there to keep her safe. That's the boundary. This is, we know this area is safe. And just goes to, you know, hey, the ball went away. I'll go get it. Whoops. Yeah. And it, you know, kind of speaks to the situation that those children were in too, because those children also haven't encountered very many children in their lives um, because they're, of course, uh, basically um, in hiding because their father is, you know, he was a fugitive before the Empire. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, during it, they're tracking down all the clones and they want all the clones to come in for evaluation. And he, of course, because he was a fugitive before, he would have probably been terminated. And definitely the family, because we know that Grand Moff is not, um, he's not too moral in terms of destroying uh, entire families. Yeah. So then we get, uh, we get this whole difficulty where Hunter is starting to realize, okay, Omega is a child. She needs to be with a family. The Bad Batch, even though we're enhanced and we might be able to protect her, we won't be able to give her a life she deserves. And so this is kind of, you know, the theme that Disney has been going down for a while. I mean, we kind of got themes of this in The Mandalorian, where, of Mm -hmm. course, we have, you know, the foundling and the Mandalorian forming this bond. And, uh, you know, how can you... How can we let that cute little Grogu go into the hands of Luke Skywalker and, you know, say goodbye and all this stuff? And so we kind of get that same, um, you know, that same theme here where when Hunter and Cut, they decide, okay, let's get off planet and we're going to go one way. And then um, Cut, you're going to take Omega and that's going to be her life. It's just kind of being raised by um, a family and uh, in a, in a family household, and hopefully uh, she learns her way from there. And so it's a really interesting theme, like I said. And then we get, of course, things never go according to plan. 
No, never do they ever go according to plan. Because, uh, yeah, like, I have to say for Hunter, for this, he, he start, you're starting to actually see his uh, development as a father figure for Omega. Because uh, he certainly becomes that throughout the entire run. But this is where we first start seeing it. And, and he's saying, no, you need to take her because we're going to be going all over the place. And this is what's best for her. And uh, so they, they, that's when they agree to it. And then they have to go and start uh, getting chain codes and whatnot and forging them up so that everybody can get off planet. And Omega over here is the entire plan. And doesn't say anything. She's just hiding out in, in, the, in the gunner's chair. And that's when um, Tech and Echo decide, hey, let's get captured so we can get to these things. And they're sitting there going, Hunter's sitting there going, you did what now? Omega's on the ship. And you see her wave. Hi, guys. It's a great plan. It was hilarious. Yeah, and that's, you know, the whole thing where you have, you know, these two characters that are like, oh, yeah, we got this great plan. Let's not tell Hunter about it until it's already in play. And that's, of course, when they uh, hopefully have learned their lesson, but probably not. And then we get that Omega is one of the things about her that makes her very clone-like is that she is extremely adaptable. And we see that she is able to adapt to the scenario. We saw it in the last episode where she was able to pick up the, you know, the stun gun, if you will, and um, protect Hunter from Crosshair. And now we see it again where when she realizes that something's going down that she wasn't expecting, she's just like, oh, okay, I'll just roll with it and then go hang out with my dudes in the back. Yeah, and when the time came, she was instrumental in getting the chain codes to cut his family in time. Yep. So if she hadn't have been there, that would have went totally another way. Yeah. Uh, and again, we see kind of the discussion on are clones necessary? What do we do with the clones? We see the Empire kind of in the back and really this the tone. I don't know if you picked up on it, but even the colors that are being used in these two episodes, they've been kind of darker, um, mm -hmm. darker hues. It, it feels very much like uh, a shadow is glooming uh, um, over everything. And we get to see again this, again, the most fascinating thing to me is this transition from the Republic to the Empire. And we know that like some stuff is going down and we can't, and the clones can't really explain it. And so it's really a sweet idea that I never would have thought that I wanted to see until now. I mean, this is something where it's like the idea basically from Filoni is like, hey, what if um, we tell this story through the perspective of clones that are also confused in this transition instead of like having, you know, going deeper into, you know, a Jedi's perspective of it. Let's look at what the Bad Batch thinks and how they're adapting to it and how, uh, you know, the galaxy is responding to it through their eyes. And I thought that this was just an ingenious move to to move forward with down there at Disney. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's the best concept that we didn't know we wanted. Really. That's the best way I can put it is I certainly, I thought they were going like that when they introduced the bad batch in season seven. But even then I was going, eh, this could work, but it may not, but it's worked very well. And like I said, it's the, it's the best series concept that we never knew we wanted. 
Yeah, and this is something that um, you want to see more of. There's something about this time, and it might be because we haven't seen anything or just because you know Palpatine is such this mastermind in planning that we, you know, of course, see in episode three, the seeds planted uh, in this galactic empire. And then in episode four, we see that it's in full swing. And it's just mm-hmm. like, hmm, what did this look like before? And I think, we, obviously, we're going to get that in Obi-Wan. So I think that maybe Disney is really showing us the the crazy things that they can go. Because I know a lot of people are wanting things like, oh, let's go back to the old Republic, which is now, you know, the High Republic. And let's let's look at those groups instead of diving deep here. But then it's just like, there are so many stories to tell within the times that we have already seen in Star Wars. And it's just like, well, if the writing is this good, you know, keep it up because this is very quality writing um, and period. And especially for a animated series. No, absolutely. Like the writing, if they can keep this up throughout the rest of the rest of the season and throughout season two and however many seasons of bad batch we get, it will end one of the, best Star Wars TV series that's been put out. 